and then I'm gonna have to have like a special like championship we sound should effect definitely at the figure that of the out pod. what no <laughs> that's, it, yeah, that, that's gonna be it for the next time or this episode I don't know we'll figure that out <laughs> <laughs> hello hey hi is it skipping out no it's good okay how do i sound (laughs) just fine okay podcasting in the world of coronavirus is just gonna have to have a lower standard sound quality wise Uh, it's fine i mean it was funny i wanted to do that topic but i was like eh, not really because <laughs> who really I, needs another relevant coronavirus podcast right now exactly and not only that but it's more fun to do afterwards oh yeah the ripple effects down the road sure yeah, i feel that <laughs> i feel that yeah it's like you know like i saw a recent uh on twitter where like bc is like before coronavirus, before coronavirus after. Yeah. so yeah I'll, I'll wait till after to, to do that podcast yeah I feel like AD would be like after Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I'm hoping that's how this goes. Is there's a before Corona and an after Donald Trump, and that they butt right up next to each other. Oh, that'd be yeah. yeah. Um, that should line up perfectly. So what are we yeah. talking about today? Should I introduce uh, myself as a three peat? Am I the you only? You are the. You are the only three. Only three peat. Only Yay. three peat. <laughs> oh, we'll say first three peat. I don't know. I don't know. To date. First, only three Pete to date. Word. Um, (laughs) Just because I like the sound of my own voice. Exactly. (laughs) And fun fact, because this hasn't, this this will go after other episodes, but you're also in the intro. So you get to the intro and Oh, that clip that I did for you that one time? Yes, yes. Nice, nice. So I decided to talk about, you know, good old depression, (laughs) because... It's in our lives very often. It is. It is. Yeah. And it was interesting because I was talking with my therapist today. And she was like, oh, so what do you plan on doing for your podcast? Like, you know, I might do depression. It's like, oh, interesting. You should go with that one. It's like, look look at her giving me fucking homework. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's how they do it. So I remember in the first season, I did an episode about uh, just mental health and dating. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to lie, this is like pre-therapy. Before you being more open about yes. it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I was, and it was funny, I was listening to it. And I, as I tell my therapist, I'm really good at dodging questions or not giving the full answer. So mm-hmm. I decided to actually do a deeper dive of it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it does make sense. And I remember as I was going through the episode, I realized one of the things I was, because I had told her this, is like, yeah, I... I didn't really want this date to go any further. So I decided if I talked to her about depression, she would just be scared off. Oh no, you so sabotaged with your mental health. That's another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was, was, yeah, that was Tony's self-sabotaging at its its peak. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I thought it was like really interesting just because I think as someone who does want to get in a relationship and also realizing even it took a while for me to talk to my therapist about my depression. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's something that is important when it comes to relationships and mm-hmm. how you, 
I guess I could not say approach it, but I even even like remembering thinking when I go through depression, I go through specific things that would be kind of complicated to deal with when you have a partner. Right. I love isolating. Right. When Same. I deal with my depression, but like then how do you bring that with someone else without it making it seem? Oh, like, we can. Hey, it's not a you thing. Let's yeah. get ready to talk about it then, because I awesome. I am in that. I feel that. <laughs> That is my relationship. Yep. Um, so yeah, I guess it's sort of like in that aspect, especially with isolation, it's easy to be like, yeah, I don't, um, I don't want to talk about this. But then it's kind of like difficult because like you should talk about this Me when you're talking about. But yeah. then like, yeah, but then like, how do you then set the? How do you approach it? How do you set the boundaries yeah. about how to talk about it? Yeah. Right. Nope. Got it. I mean, I we're I'm a year and a half into that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert in this. So I guess like the first part is just sort of then when I'll go with the self-isolation first, because that's the first thing I thought of, like, how do you approach that, especially, and I feel like that doesn't happen at first with depression with me. It's like a slow burn. And then, but when, once it gets like self-isolation, it's sort of like a please fuck off, but not like in a, I hate you thing. (laughs) Just like a seriously blow off. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that, that was a point for you to jump in, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I that's okay. You, that was just another... I thought you were going through your outline. My bad. No, that was just the outline for the first one. I mean, even... Let me see. Yeah, like... And, and it's funny, because, like, or ironic that we're, like, in this quarantine, but this is pretty much what I would do if I was depressed. Same, yeah. Was stay home, drink wine. I'd do that anyways, but I'd probably do more of it during the depression. So it's like, cool. Like if then uh, I, your partner approached you and was like, hey, is everything okay? And sort of like, yeah, I just need my space. And it's like, well, is everything okay? It's sort of like, even I was asking a friend of mine about this. And one of the things that they kind of hate is when people ask, are you fine more than once? Even though mm-hmm. you answer know yes. Answer I know, that's the worst part. Like I did that with my boss once when I was going through like my depression episode and she was like, Hey, is everything okay? It's like, yeah. Are you sure? It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like positive. And then once she said positive, I just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, I'm fine. Shit. Even if I'm not fine, I'm fine. It's not you, it's me. They're like I d- they're like, I know I'm not good, but I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, but I guess like in my perspective, it's sort of like how have you approached that? When, when, um, when that comes up? When that comes up? I mean, I yeah. I think I think in generally, just so like you have an idea of where this is gonna go. Mm-hmm. So in general, I think that my approach in my twenties is that I realize that people lie a lot, and people say lies to appease people, but people also tell lies to protect themselves. And so I decided that after I had gone through multiple personal traumas and realized that, like, just being honest with people and saying what you got to say and doing what you got to do is probably just the easiest way to get through all of this, I just decided to be really honest with people. And I was like, that's when I came out about, you know, having been sexually assaulted. That's when I started talking about being bipolar and having anxiety and um, because I, isn't it like Game of Thrones where, oh, sh- Santa? no, 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 the imp, uh, Tyrion, when Tyrion yeah. tells John, you know, I wear my dwarfism like yeah. a suit of armor because then mm-hmm. no one can ever use it to hurt me. It's like, yeah. 
so that's how I approach that kind of shit, which is that like, I've gone through therapy. I know my coping tools. I know that I should talk to people when I want to, but there are times that I don't want to talk to people. So my approach in life is if someone asks me a question, like, <laughs> like someone, someone last fall was like, Hey, what's new? What's like going on with you? And I was like, <laughs> um, well, my brother's getting married. I'm going on a trip to Europe for two weeks with my boyfriend soon. And I am selling my house and I just started a new job. And <laughs> that person was like okay that's a lot of stuff it's like well you asked me what's new and what you expected me to say was uh you know nothing new same thing how how about you and go on but like you asked me what was up so like it's the same thing like like I'm like I'm not gonna go to client meetings and have them be like oh how are you today and be like "Mm, like you know my roommate fucking annoyed me last you know what I mean like I'll still be like oh I'm just fine how are you like when it's appropriate but like if you're gonna pretend to like give a shit and then we have if you're gonna pretend that we're close enough or portend that we're close enough that you can say hey are you okay because you want to talk to me about my feelings then whenever you ask me any question, I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling. <laughs> because at this point, whoever I'm talking to, you should already know that I'm bipolar and, and have anxiety, and I'm just going to, like, tell them how it is. Right. And so, I think I remember okay. we spoke. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, does that answer what you're getting at? You know, no. Yeah, for sure. Like, I remember even, and I think this happened around the time I was telling you that where my boss kept on asking the complete, like, are you fine thing? And the issue with me is that when, oh, good, we were pouring at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, um, like when, when my boss was asking about it and I just didn't want to talk about it, I had to do the thing where, and, and honestly, like two years ago or even three years ago or maybe even a year because that's about the time, I probably would not have spoken about it, but like I had to like confront it afterwards and like sort of Mm -hmm. apologize for my actions because I sort of like flipped off on them without like obviously cursing or whatever, but sort of like and having to talk about that. And honestly, it was kind of a relief because I it it made it easier and even she spoke about her own like anxiety and etc mm-hmm. so it, it kind of did help but at the time I was like shit like, and, and 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 it's great that I first had therapy to like deal with that because mm-hmm. then sort of I don't think I would have approached it any better if I didn't have it so it's sort mm-hmm. of like it's always like interesting that people always question therapy but it does help you prepare for well it's just such like a that. stupid stigma it's such a stupid it is. stigma therapy is like going to the gym for your mind it's like you go to the gym to become more physically healthy and strong and you go to therapy to become more mentally and emotionally strong so yeah so so yeah and that definitely was one of those i feel like it did help deal with that yeah oh Um, absolutely did yeah uh i think i'm i'm like just starting off with like my definitions of what i go through when i have depression oh sort of Yeah. yeah Oh, so, like, one of the things besides the, the self-isolation is, like, them not wanting to go out, which is, like, the same thing. But then, like, mm-hmm. pushing people away and not, yeah. And I feel like the pushing people away thing is really difficult because, mm-hmm. obviously, it's a defense mechanism. But, like, even then, it's kind of, like, I, I personally wouldn't even know how to approach, I guess, telling someone so sort of like sorry I'm trying to like get like my bearings on how to approach this because I rarely speak about this <laughs> no you're fine I'm yeah here's the good thing is that I love speaking about this so I'm like I'm here I'm with you uh we can just we'll just talk it out however you need to talk it out um it's like a therapy session right this here. is it's like great. a therapy yeah. session oh, do is. you um 
So are you saying that you haven't really gotten to a, a confident place with the words you want to use when explaining your condition to new people? Yes. Okay. Yep. Like I, it was easy. It was easy for me to write it down. Right. But yep. then it's it's a different thing because I can easily tell myself say, like, "Hey, this is." This is us. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, not right. the show. <laughs> Great. Uh, no, stop. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's kind yeah, of, but... yeah, because it's kind of like, it, it's your own coming out, really. It's yeah. the same thing that happens when LGBTQ alphabet um, folks, you know, have to decide how they want to, if they want to, some don't, don't and they don't have to, um, mm-hmm. communicate to new people in their life and old people in their life that they um, have a certain sexual orientation and that they hope it, they accept it and try it. And if you can use it as a learning opportunity, then like, great, like teach them about it and what it means versus what they probably think it means and have them. Uh-oh. Hello? Oh, no. Hello? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Sorry about that. No, you're good. You can just pick <laughs> off where you, where you left off and um, I'll just edit yeah. it. Uh, wait, are you, are we recording recording? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know we started. What? I didn't know what we did started you... the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm not doing an intro anymore because you guys <laughs> technically all gave me intros. I see. I've been trying to figure out how to start the podcast. Right. Like, <laughs> every single time, I you know what? This is this is not the first time I've done this to someone because oh, I remember that okay. happened. This makes and so I much just... more sense now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought See, you were so, like I thought you were like giving me the outline and that's why that one question like when you're like going through here's what I think here's what I think I was like oh okay so I, okay fine <laughs> I because <laughs> I did that to someone else okay I, how about I we start the... from the beginning of your outline and we'll go from there <laughs> and you edit the rest <laughs> of that out and there won't be a me dropping something in between either okay so we'll just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you well, need to do for okay. future reference is you, yes i know for future reference so when the... you call somebody what you should do is be like hey okay so like um so since we have a pre-recorded intro i don't need one so what i'm gonna do is start out with like we... hey this is you're on with tony and you're on with and then your guest says their name and you say this is 10 years and counting and need you go on. So, no, so the thing was that since we started off with the intro of you, I didn't feel the need to say action. It was sort of like, yeah, you're the third time guest. Like, yeah, okay, cool. All right, great. Let's get started. I didn't say that let's get started. I just continued uh, okay. on. Like, so, did okay. anything I said in the last one, were you going to use that? I'll just use the beginning part. Okay. Yeah, and then I'll just, and then I'll have the blooper of, hey, hey, we were, in, which I'm keeping okay. here now, obviously. All but. Right. But yeah. Take okay. two. <laughs> Take two. Yes. Okay. So, all right. I'm just going to, should, wait, should I just start off with what I want to talk about first? Because I realized I didn't yeah, give you notes. that's totally fine. Yeah. Start with like, here's, start with today's okay. agenda and then, um, and then we'll go. <laughs> all right. Cool. Oh, God, you have to use media terms. Okay. So we're going to go. 
<laughs> we're going to go through what I consider is what I go through with depression. Then I have just like specific things that I found about dating and being in a relationship with depression and how other people, um, what's it called? I ask people like what questions they would want people to ask about their own and also what they would ask if their partner was going through depression. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's like a good way of organizing and giving you the three bullet points. Yes. Yes. That's helpful. Okay. There's a lot, a lot you could talk about in depression, especially when we're all isolated right now. Yes. All right, cool. Wait, should I just start from the top like I did last time and then I'll just edit yeah. some part? All right, cool. So Take it from the top. Take it from the top. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the way I define my depression, or at least part of it, it's usually cloudy. I think it's like an interesting way of approaching how I'm I can't like see the light and and also some some of the things that we mentioned especially being quarantine self you know social distancing and how that sort of kind of reminds me of depression like I'm not going through it as much now as much as just more anxiety mm-hmm. with depression it's sort of like I feel like everything that we're supposed to do for social distancing is what what I do during depression so I feel like it'd be really tricky to figure out how do I say like once I start dating someone mm-hmm. like hey i have depression and then this is what it means and even if it even if that's the case it's always more of the cool like how do i approach or i guess like that first question is like how do you approach when it comes to the uh self you know the the isolation not wanting to be mm-hmm. outside and not wanting to be around yeah. people without it feeling like hey there's not a reflection of you it's what i'm going through yeah, and to be fair, and I'm lucky that I haven't had a very deep depressive phase in a long time because so I'm bipolar, so I have manic depressive phases and then just have constant anxiety mm-hmm. throughout it, which is like a nice even layer of icing on top. Um, so I've been fortunate that I haven't been in a deep depressive phase in a while, though I have felt mild symptoms of depression, which is kind of even weirder to describe to people in your life um, when you're like, I'm just really tired like I'm just sleeping a lot and I just like don't want to do things and I don't really feel like eating and not in a way that's dysfunctional to my life like I'd still go to the grocery store or do whatever but if I was home and I didn't have anything to do on a Saturday then yeah I just took an eight hour nap in the middle of the day and you know who cares (laughs) it was it was it's not a nap it's a full sleep well it was it wasn't actually an isolation it was it was the week after kobe died um because Uh, i know what it's like personally to lose someone young suddenly and tragically and i know what that grief is like and even though i didn't have a strong connection to kobe personally like i was never a lakers fan and nba wasn't really my sport um I did recognize how much he meant to other people and all you could see like in my offices in Chicago too and like on the streets of Chicago and then on TV all you saw was just this national global mourning of this one person and so I was like I'm such an empathic person that all I felt all week was just sadness and grief and like I was so emotionally uh, and mentally drained from all that that at the end of the week I just had to take like a long nap and I slept like probably at least 24 hours over the two days of the weekend and my boyfriend was like what is going on with you why are you so exhausted you didn't do anything and I was like I'm just depleted like all of my feelings and all of my emotions just depleted because I only have so much and I can only spend so much per day compared to the normal person 
that like spending it all day every day for a week just like knocked me out (laughs) and (laughs) what's funny so what's interesting for me for isolation is that I'm not getting really drained by not being around people um and I actually enjoy (laughs) I fall into the bucket of the memes that you see online when introverts are like so apparently this has just been my lifestyle this whole time is isolation (laughs) and I kind of fall into that bucket because I prefer living most of my life inside watching TV on the couch or like on my phone. Like I, and I'm, I should be ashamed of it, but I'm not. That's my life. That's how I choose to spend my time on this earth. And so it's been easier for me in isolation. Um, I do miss the gym, but otherwise it's not been terrible. But what's funny is that my boyfriend is an extrovert. Um, Mm. (laughs) So he, Even in normal times on a Saturday when I'm like, let's watch Harry Potter for like five hours. And he's like, okay, well, let's watch me for maybe like one movie and then let's go do something because he will just get so antsy and he cannot do a lazy day. And so he for like two weeks just was felt so cooped up in our tiny little apartment in Chicago that he finally got to the point where he went up to Oshkosh, Wisconsin for like a week and a half um, to stay with his parents and like roam free and whatever for a while. Cause he just like, he had to be out there and I was like, I'm fine. I'm chilling. This is like a long vacation. <laughs> you made him sound like a dog who just needed like time. He just needed to run free. Just like run around just and play. Run free. <laughs> no, I completely relate, especially when it comes to like with all of the Kobe news. Cause I remember when I was, and I wasn't even like, I, yeah, I was like definitely mentally drained that entire mm-hmm. week. But what was worst off for me is that it was sort of like a slight depression episode, not as much as like depressed that he passed away. Mm-hmm. Was that like now my only thoughts were like I was thinking about death. Like, right. I, it wasn't even. It, it wasn't, wasn't even there. And then to... all of a sudden it's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it like, it, and I don't know why, but for some reason, sudden deaths, and I don't know if that's always the case, just at least for me, always brings out like the mortality aspect mm-hmm. of myself, where it's sort of like, oh no, I don't have, like, and, and I remember I was talking to my therapist about this, where I was like, look, I don't have social, you know, like, suicide ideation. Mm-hmm. I don't, please don't worry. But it's more <laughs> of a, like, oh shit, like, you know, we're, we're not all going to be here forever. And it's like, not that, like, oh shit, like, I, I, I don't need to, like, put that out there, but it's legitimately how I felt. It, and, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that was all. Well, yes, because I've experienced both, you know, like I've had a grandfather pass away um, from just old age, right? And he had diabetes and he smoked his whole life and his body just shut down. And that was very gradual. So that was something that had the feeling of what you're talking about that, you know, we're all going to die eventually. And at some point, you'll just kind of fade away. What you don't think about on a day to day basis, (laughs) which makes people a lot more uncomfortable to think about, which is why it's easier to think more often about like, oh, you know, one day, how old will I be when I die versus thinking about the possibility that you could be gunned down in the streets of Chicago when you're 25 or versus you. You could die of coronavirus when you're a healthy 35-year-old runner, right? Like, Mm -hmm. those are things that you don't think about that are so right in front of your face and possibilities around the corner every day that you can't think about them. Because if you thought about every single one, your brain would probably have an aneurysm. And that's that's the thing about anxiety. And I think that's also the thing that – and I don't know if you and I had talked about this specifically before or individually – 
in our own platforms. But the idea that like I should be worrying more because I'm an anxious person, but it's just another thing to be anxious about. <laughs> and I'm anxious <laughs> about so many things that coronavirus like isn't really tipping the scales for me. Every once in a while, you know, I have that mortal fear, but more so, you know, about like my dad or my boyfriend, what what I do if they were sick. But right now, the mortality isn't really scaring me because it's just another terrible thing in the world. And I just, if I thought about every terrible thing going on in the world and what could possibly happen to me in my life, then I just, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. No, I completely agree. And that's always sort of the, like, anxious part, right? Like, it's like, yeah, how do I not deal with my feelings? You know what? I'm just gonna, you know, work harder and do more and go on a swim and do anything to avoid having Mm -hmm. to be internal with myself. And and it's, and and I know it's not the best uh, approach, but honestly, it's helped me before. So it's sort of like a, like, and, and it becomes... I don't know what's the word I want to use. It's helped me get through it. So it's like, it's fine. But I know like, obviously talking about it is the best solution. Cause like sometimes it's easier to just say like, Hey, I'm going through this and et cetera. But I know my biggest concern when when I do get into a relationship is like do do I even ever bring up the suicide ideation or that seems like a little bit too I mean obviously not right away that's just a bit scary but like even talking about depression it's more like a hey I'm I'm not telling you this so you can help me or fix me it's like it's like a you should probably know about this before you like yes this is these are the guidelines and not guidelines but this is what happens and it's not a you thing so when this does happen i understand if you want to be away but this is what i'm going to do to get through it you're more than welcome to come through and and i realized a bunch of people that that i did ask this was like what's their biggest hurdle when it comes to this when they're in a relationship is always like Mm -hmm. feeling that they always need help and and i think that's my biggest issue too it's like you know i don't need your help it's great that that you offer but like please (laughs) let me like, no, I, I get it. I get it. Thanks. But I got yeah. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay. So I'll, I'll kind of look at two different pieces of that because there's kind of like the piece of, I guess, just talking about it in general and finding the words, but then also like, how do you deal with that specifically in a partnership? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. So the talking about it is like talking about it is like using a muscle and the more times you use a muscle, like the better, the stronger it becomes. The more people you talk to and the more conversations you have, um, whether it's friends or colleagues or potential partners or doctors or family members, um, the more conversations that you have about it, the more that you express yourself, but also maybe answer questions that people have about it openly, the larger and larger and larger the vocabulary around it you are going to have and the more vocabulary that you have the more people you're going to be able to articulate to exactly how it feels like and trans you're going to be able to use more you're going to have more words in your arsenal to translate all of your emotions around what depression is to you to someone else who may not understand it right also the more people that you talk to who also have depression and anxiety about your experience will expand that language um, because you're going to see that your experience does not mirror anyone's experiences. They are all a fingerprint to us. Um, Your anxiety of overworking and swimming and keeping busy is very similar to one of my friends who would like go for late night 40 mile bike rides. (laughs) 
military. Like that was how he dealt with it. And he would just go rock climbing at 3am because he wanted to keep busy and not, and keep himself distracted. Whereas my reaction to depression is to just lay in bed and watch TV and sleep all the time. And so we all deal with it differently. And the more that we talk to each other about what it's like and don't have to have this cinematic idea of what it's like, we can expound upon the vocabulary about what it actually feels like to experience these things so that people who have it know that they're not alone and people that don't have it understand what it's like to have it. So that's why it's important to talk about it because now that I've been talking about it so openly so often um, with so many people, I feel like I've educated a lot of people on what it feels like and made them understand. Um, And I feel like I've also been able to let a lot of people I know in my personal life um, come to me and say like, okay, and now I know that like someone gets it and not in like a, it gets better. No, you're not alone tropey kind of way, but in like, I've never really been able to like articulate in words what it means and to read someone else articulate it. And like, it's the same analogy is really powerful. So that's the first part. Second part is the relationship part, um, which is hard because you're trying to do the same thing, which is translate to your partner, your life experience and what goes on in your mind. And it helps to have gone through therapy, and I'm very glad that, that you do because that is where you learn the skills and tools to address your problems, name your problems, and logically think through how to, if not resolve those problems, at least mitigate them. So that gives you the tools to have a conversation. Like even little shit, like my therapist once told me, like, don't tell people I'm bipolar. Tell them I have bipolar disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a very small linguistic Mm -hmm. difference in I'm crazy versus I have a medical disorder where my brain chemicals (laughs) don't act like yours. Um, and so I like when I would talk to people about that romantically that I was involved with, I would explain it like that. I learned early not to talk about it too soon because it it is something that can scare people because they just don't have experience with it. Um, and they don't really know what to do. So don't take myself deprecation route is that what you're trying to say my self-sabotage route <laughs> right yeah you don't want to self-sabotage because there are people that will not understand kind of where you're going with it i would say if you, but you do have to tell them early because the thing is is that you're they're going to if you foresee the relationship becoming serious you are your partner is going to have to understand why you act certain ways and do certain things. Your partner is going to have to feel comfortable and confident coming to you to have the discussion about why you're acting the way that you are. So, and this is a very similar conversation to what I have with my teammates in the workplace. Every time that I join a new team, I have one conversation with my subordinates and one conversation with my direct reports. And I tell them, I have bipolar disorder. I have generalized anxiety disorder. I'm a highly functioning worker. But here are some situations like if I have to adjust my meds and I get really sleepy and I may need to just take a personal health day to adjust to those meds because I'm not going to be at my best capacity coming to work. Or there may be days where I come in and I'm, you know, not making much sense. I'm speaking kind of fast or I seem a little on edge. I need you to feel okay coming to me and pulling me aside and saying, 
saying, hey, are, are things okay? Do you think maybe I need to like go home for the day and just kind of like take a lap or what's up? So, and, and then I always tell people in the workplace, you know, when I, the reason I have this conversation is because I want it to be an explanation and not an excuse. So I don't use my behavior as an excuse. And I make that clear to my, my colleagues and I make that clear to my partners, right? But like, I can't ever use having bipolar disorder as an excuse for bad behavior. Um, all I can do is explain to them what it means, how it can affect me and what should be done if I get to that place. And it was also interesting because I remember, and I don't, I don't think we first really spoke about that until the uh, break the stigma challenge that we had on Instagram. That was yeah. great. I almost wanted to do it again I this know, year because it was sort of like, yeah, I, it was really <laughs> interesting because, and, and I don't know what your approach was to that, but like it was like honestly doing that like forced me to talk about obviously depression, which I never really outwardly spoke about. So being able to, mm-hmm. I don't know, just be like candid about like those questions, then having people respond back is like, oh, you know, I totally relate. I go through that too. And I was like, why? Oh, that's and not like, a, okay, cool. You know, good. I'm not the only mm-hmm. one. Yeah. <laughs> not like in, yeah. in that aspect, but like it's easier to talk to. And, 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 and if I think of someone who was always reserved and when it came to talking about emotions especially even like depression emotions like being mm-hmm. able and I think my biggest concern was always like the judgment aspect which I guess that is one of the reasons why it was easy for me to self-sabotage and that aspect was sort of like okay cool this seems a bit serious how do I, I, I'm not really serious as much as like hmm I don't know if I how do you test yeah it? exactly what what better test than like oh shit that's more than I wanted to know but you kind of threw it out there you're like I'm bipolar what now yeah exactly and then she's like um no and you're like oh Oh, okay okay." well okay (laughs) yeah I guess great just what I needed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you validated my point that I didn't really need but I guess at that time it was easier to you know just go ahead and be like oh sure um and, and yeah. even like thinking about it now I think one of the and, and even I feel like once you bring this up it's so it's always more of the and and I feel like I can be honest about this I'm not the most patient person so easy for me to be like hey so cool I don't mind having more difficult conversations because I, I guess I've gone to the point now where I've gone to like I, I I was able to go to therapy and be like hey cool so let me talk about things that I didn't have to talk about with other people but then like that's that also would throw them off where it's like shit this is a bit soon right you shouldn't talk about this I guess I appreciate the honesty but at what point <laughs> people should be able to talk about what they talk to the therapist about <laughs> to anyone like anyone because you know how many people in this country go around being like well I talked to my pediatrician and he said they are not supposed to give kids like raisins anymore because they're something really bad about raisins like what the fuck like we all tell each other what our doctors Mm -hmm. told each other for no goddamn good reason but for me to be like hey my therapist told me that if you've been through a shit ton of traumas in your life already that going through a global pandemic isn't going to be like too much stress on you like that should be normal (laughs) right I I, and there's been points where like even when I talk to someone it's like I don't I feel like I guess most people now know that I have a therapist because I'm just like pretty abrasively open about it well you're on yeah, facebook exactly it, yeah. so like the thing with me is that like sure i feel like if and i feel like it's, it's one of those things where it's like my approach is if i want something to be more serious 
I guess like if someone knew that I had depression, but I wasn't dealing with it, then isn't that technically worse? But I tell you like, yeah, I go to therapy, not because of depression, but it's one of the reasons why I wanted to go because I want to know how to better handle it and how do I approach mm-hmm. talking about that with other people. If it comes off that way, it doesn't seem as scary as... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have depression and yeah. I'm in therapy and I need someone to like keep me from myself, otherwise I'm dangerous. Yeah. I mean and I therapy's great on a lot of different levels and it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to have generalized anxiety or that you have to have uh depression or mania or whatever. It could just be that you, you know, have some issues like sorting out thoughts in your life and stress in your life and how do you cope and find the tools to work through those things you know it's like it's why people who wouldn't go to therapy normally go to when they get a divorce right um or when something big in your life happens because you want to be able to have the tools to cope when that happens and therapy is honestly just a great place like there's so many times I go to therapy and I like I don't got drama with my boyfriend (laughs) and I don't got drama at my job and I don't got drama at my house like everything's just like chilling so I'm going to therapy for 45 minutes I've already got the appointment let's hang out and we'll just like just talk and we'll just kind of talk about (laughs) what we think about life and um you know what I mean like if if you're lucky enough to find a therapist that you get along with and that you feel comfortable with and it's just a good place to talk but also it's a place for you to just say things that you would never say out loud to other people like you know if you really hate your mom (laughs) right (laughs) like if you really do wish you could you know kill someone you dated if you really like you know shit there if you really think that your brother's baby is butt ass ugly (laughs) like that is stuff that you can say in therapy and they cannot tell anybody (laughs) and it's really good to say those things out loud and so it's a place to go because we go through life with all these norms and and there are people that may not have a very active inner monologue like I do but I do I think a lot of things and a lot of things are really mean and therapy when I don't have a lot of personal issues to sort out can just be a place to go and talk about all these things in my head that I'm like these are really mean and, and then have someone validate them as a third party right uh yeah definitely like one of those things where i'm sort of glad no one can technically hear what i think because that would be so problematic no one will ever know so problematic (laughs) i did think about asking my boyfriend to come to therapy but i just don't think i don't think he has the emotional vocabulary to talk about his feelings that is what the conclusion that i have come to in the last year and a half i I think that he has emotions and he feels them and he just does not have the vocabulary to express them verbally no i i totally get that because i I feel like at first my biggest issue when i started therapy was sort of talk about anything that was my feelings so like by like month three she was like hey so like is there anything that you like want to talk about that you feel through it's like what do you mean yeah you know you just seem to like talk about work and like yeah well that's what's going (laughs) on it's like what what do you feel it's like i don't know i think this and etc it's like you know you just realize you said think right it's like yeah i'm telling you what Mm -hmm. i'm thinking it's like that's not what you're feeling it's like what's the difference it's like oh shit Mm-hmm. that's what cognitive therapy is that's why it's the bomb because it just stops you and you'll be like okay but like whatever you just thought and you think that it's good or bad why do you feel that way yeah. and then once you articulate why you 
feel that way they go well that makes sense it makes sense why you would feel that way you may be thinking a terrible thought but there's probably some explanation as to why you're feeling that way (laughs) and that's what the cognitive therapists are trying to get at they're not trying to make you like go deep into your psychosis of being a four-year-old and what your mom did to you like no it's just (laughs) what's going through your head and why are you thinking it and how is that attached to your emotions because it probably is because that's what rules our lizard brain yeah sorry i just get i get on these like therapy tangents because i've been in it for almost a decade at this point with someone that i love that i feel like has been super constructive to me i feel like i've learned so much and i've started in the last i honestly think like since trump i've seen a lot of people our age go into therapy that i'm so happy about and some of them going for like really bad issues and they needed to go in and some of them are like i'm just gonna go try this and it's really helped them even when they didn't expect it to and i just think that it's something that we should just make so much more easily accessible to people because it does so much good especially in a time where there's just like so much bad in the world but i think it's easier because i feel like at least with our generation we've made it more normal to go to therapy i would say i mean i don't i I think Mm -hmm. there's still like their share of stigma especially with mental health but I feel like compared to probably our parents' generation, there's a huge improvement with that. So I'd like to... Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I and so Sometimes I feel like my friends would... And, and I feel like that's one of like the difficult parts because I remember last... Not year, it was the last year. It was last year. Uh, my friend was going through like his own form of depression, which is really shitty. You know, it was like around the same time of mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, oh, yeah. like, oh my God, our depression sings. What? That's so cool. But I didn't say that. But... <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like women's periods, men's depressions. Yes, I, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, I'm glad you said it for me. But yes, exactly, just like that. Uh, but I was like, it was like one of those weird things. It's like I, I kind of I wanted to be there for him, so it was sort of like, okay, shit. How do I? How do? I? Luckily, he wanted to talk on phone, so it's like, all right, cool. I got this. I can I, I can play it cool over the phone because he can't see my facial expressions, which are mm-hmm. usually easier to detect. So big yeah. tell, big yeah. tell. So yeah, and it was like really interesting because like I, I guess obviously it's easier to talk about it with someone who goes through it but like even when i'm in the same boat sort of like shit how do i be there how am i able to be there for someone when i'm barely able to be there myself how do you get someone else out of the hole that yes exactly it's like cool well i'm there too but see this is the vocabulary that you get when you talk about therapy and your thoughts and your depression for nine years you i have so many analogies like i once explained anxiety to someone i was like imagine yourself being in a racquetball room right the one with like the hardwood gym floor but like four walls and you have like a bouncy ball that you gotta hit with a racket Mm -hmm. And I was like, imagine yourself being there, but it's a thousand balls bouncing all over the walls and you have to catch all of them. And as soon as you catch 10, then like two more release and you're just like, I don't know where to look. I don't know what's going on. There's so much chaos around me and I'm just trying to like hold on to as much as possible. And then as soon as I start holding on to some stuff, other stuff leaves me. And it's like, I said that to this girl and she was like, Corey, I think I have anxiety. (laughs) I was like, like, see, like once you, once you, and she started going to therapy and she loves it. And like, and I'm not trying to be on here as some like prophet of therapy. Mm. I'm not like some like doctor of kind of thing or whatever, but like, that's just an example of my personal life of when I've used the language that I've had from talking about it so much that 
someone was able to relate to me so quickly because I had come up with that with that analogy that she could relate to. Oh no, it's okay at this point. This episode is sponsored by therapy, so you're you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Talk yes, space. exactly. No, uh, wait, can we say yeah? Oh well, but no, I. All I said was <laughs> that's <toxic. true>. Yes. <laughs> and, and no, that's a fair point. And I think like one of the biggest issues is, as we mentioned, was like the break the stigma challenge is the stigma itself where it's sort of you're never really going to know how someone takes that right where I guess if you want to be serious with someone sort of like hey so cool well here's this and sort of like at least for me I feel like if I did mention that the first thing would be like recoil where it's like oh shit what are they gonna think Mm -hmm. and I remember I dated someone I think for like three four months last year and I yes and I mentioned that like not on the first date that would have been weird but it was like the second date just because I sort of was it was it was right after my therapy session so it was kind of hard not to and it was really interesting yeah. When, when I told her about that, she was like, oh, interesting. Well, tell me more. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, like, <laughs> wait, you actually are interested in my life and feelings? Yeah. Or? It was really interesting because like even afterwards, because I remember she told me about this, I think like on a later date where she was like, yeah, you know, like her boyfriend went through depression or ex-boyfriend not boyfriend be weird mm-hmm. but ex-boyfriend yeah uh went through the same aspect but he never made like strides to like going to therapy and etc so that's i think that's why she asked more questions which is for her is more like mm, i've been through this before are you at least making progress or something? yeah it's i mean that uh, i get that because i everyone's kind of going through their own stages with it right like mm-hmm. i realized at 23 i guess for some background like my dad <laughs> He had a lot of different diagnoses starting in his 20s and like all the way through the rest of his life now into his 60s and he'll self-diagnose schizophrenic or whatever but like he just there's obvious that there's something that he's not dealing with but I realized that that was probably going to be something I was going to have to deal with very young and so when I was 23 and I had graduated at the great college in Chicago and I had a great job and I had an apartment and I had friends like I had checked off all these boxes because for all these years I had been blaming all of my um, behavior on you know I'm angsty because I'm a teenager and I'm in high school and everything sucks and I'm trying to you know get good grades to graduate and then I'm in college and I'm trying to get a job and whatever and then I check all these boxes and I should be fine so it was time to go to therapy when I was 22 and you know figure my shit out well it took my brother like another eight years (laughs) to realize my brother who's five years older than me so you know gotten this really late in the game after me to be like maybe I should go see someone I'm like have you did you you have the same dad that we have (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know how you didn't see this coming (laughs) our parents divorced as adults has with adult children because because of my dad's issues because he would go in and out of treatment and because you know when he was out of treatment and she just didn't want to deal with it anymore and so so like I was in I was in this weird space where I had been in therapy now for a very long time and I'm the youngest person in this family (laughs) (laughs) and and kind of going back to what we were talking about about the generational divide and like my and that's why my dad was always in and out of stuff because my grandparents who grew up in the 40s and 50s and 60s weren't very you know weren't positive thinkers about that um thought it wasn't great for reputation so they kind of ignored it and enabled it and 
Um, and then my mom just, you know, not really wanting to acknowledge that that's just something that can be good for your life. So there's a stigma even in my family, but because I was the black sheep, I was like, fuck you, I'm gonna be a rebel, go see a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like my brother went to therapy and my family went to therapy and then we were all in therapy and it was like, and now almost everyone in my extended family is in therapy and they're like, oh, I have all my friends in therapy. It's just like, everyone can use it for their own different way. And that's kind of talking in circles, but also in relation to like her date the date being like wow like this resonates to something in my family and like maybe this could resonate to something in me that I just haven't really been paying attention to wow that's a lot I didn't mean that in a bad way <laughs> oh I was like I'm oh, sorry is that too no, no 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 I'm sorry no uh, <laughs> no that's great uh no well you know what I mean it's no I, I feel like the same way because even though, and I feel like that's one of my inclinations towards, let's bring it back to like our first episode when we talk about like deal, uh, deal breakers where like the whole- Deal breakers! Yes, yeah, so it was like the whole like kids aspect where I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I, I, my biggest concern was also like, I don't want to raise someone who may also have depression. Like, uh, oh, yeah. or even like worst case, I don't know. It's like, especially when you know that a lot of it is also genetics. It's like, mm, I don't want to pass those mm-hmm. genes along. Oh, yeah. I um I decided I didn't want to have kids very early because before I even was diagnosed because I have a um, vision disorder disease whatever you want to call it that is very rare but if you have the gene and it's recessive then like you could give it on to your kids and like my brother doesn't have it but it was you know a one in four shot every time they rang the bell that they'd have a kid that did and so like there's probably a 50% chance um, whenever I would have my own kids that they'd have it. And I just growing up with it for so long and it was such a struggle and I got made fun of as a kid and I just always had to like do more just to get the, to a level playing field. And I very early on was like, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have my own kid because I don't, if they're born with this, like, no, <laughs> Like, like I I just cannot watch them live through that. And that was also why I was um, pro-life, so or not pro-life, sorry, pro-choice so early on, because I wanted to be able to test the, the fetus um, and see if they could test for my uh, condition and not go through it if, they, if I didn't have to. And that was a very controversial thing in my family. And then I was diagnosed bipolar and I was like, I definitely don't want to give the kid that give a kid both either. Like that's not fun. <laughs> like going yeah. around, going around the world partially blind and like not very in control of your emotions is just like not great. <laughs> so <laughs> I do want to pass that down to kids. And also and also like not only do you not want to pass it down to them, but like the effects that come with being bipolar, not that I have I have friends who are bipolar I have friends who are depressives who have a lot of anxiety or a lot of mental health issues that are wonderful 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 parents and wanted nothing more but to be parents and have given nothing but love to their children and I'm so happy for them and I enjoy watching their kids grow up but (laughs) for me personally if I was to have a kid like I'd be so anxious about of course I would love it like I'm not a monster 
Like, I don't really like hearing babies crying. Like, it's not my favorite noise. But if I was going to have my kid, like, of course I'm going to love it. You know, I'm going to want to take care of it. It's just that it would possibly ruin me mentally to be worrying about it all the time. And then in the times where I need to take care of my mental state, right, and, like, focus all of my energy on me, then I have to put everything else on my partner. If my partner's there, let's not a lot of other people may have a partner who can just be there and take up the slack, right? Like, so it's a very serious concern for people with mental illness about having kids. And not only do you pass it down, but like, how do you deal with the ins and outs of parenting every day while trying to stay stable in your own mentality? And I feel like that's also like the crazy part, because like, obviously, as someone who goes through your own aspects of mental health, it's always like, then you never know when your kid is going to get it too. Mm-hmm. So it's always, it's never like the, hey, are you up to the season of Homeland when she has her kid or not yet? Franny? Yes, Franny, yes. Yeah, Franny is now currently back in D.C. because Mm -hmm. of all the stuff that happened in Germany. Yeah, so I remember even that that season, especially when she was going through, like, her episodes and Mm -hmm. having to deal with Franny, I was thinking, holy shit, that's, like, a like next level it's like i you like i i don't know it's sort of the like how the hell would you i i don't even i wouldn't even know how to like begin to like deal with not only one my own like depression Mm -hmm. but then like then realizing like cool this is gonna go to someone else yeah it's gonna go to someone else when are they gonna understand it are they gonna be able to understand what's happening on with mom right and also your partner has to be good at explaining like here's what's happening with mommy and she loves you but she just needs some time and unfortunately in carrie's situation she doesn't really have that option right like she has her sister who can take the kid but like no one's really her kid's still really young but i and i haven't seen the later seasons i'm catching up still but but i in the real world it would be you know at some point when you see you started talking to them about feelings and kids can understand feelings and moods and emotions um i think that's when you start talking to them about how mommy or daddy or whoever you know has their own feelings moods and emotions and here's what we do when those happen because those kids will probably be at the same age to understand um you know action and consequence right if the action is mommy is sleepy and is in her room all day and very tired. The consequences, okay, we just, we stay away from mommy. We don't make much noise, but she's, when she's ready, she's going to come love us later. Right. Like yeah. you, that's, that's the part of parenting you got to end with, which is like, mommy is doing this right now. But when she's done with that and she needs to be done with that to be happy and okay, then she'll come join us and be happy with all of us later. Um, so, and obviously like Carrie Matheson is a very extreme example cause she's a fucking CIA agent, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but like if Briggs and I were to have kids and, and how would, um, how would he deal with the kid if I had to, you know, if I was in the room napping all day, you know, that's kind of what it would be like of like, you know, mom's, mom's very tired and she just needs some quiet. And then when she's done, she'll come out and we'll watch a movie or whatever, but it, but it's different for every parent, um, but that's also why I I don't want to have kids. It's something that it'll be selfishly, admittedly, it is selfish that it'll be a lot easier on me to not have to have those conversations, to have my depressive phases when I have them, to have my manic phases when I have them, to be selfish to meet my needs when I need to be and not worry about the resources going towards my child. And that's my decision. Yeah, I agree with all of that. <laughs> Word. <laughs>
I feel like I'm being really facts. heavy for this podcast. No, <laughs> I, I like, no, really no. bring you down. <laughs> yes. Now you're giving me the, no, let me stop. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I felt like it was an important episode to have. So like, I don't mind having the conversation. It's always more like, I always feel weird. Cause like, I feel like the more you talk about it, it's like, I feel weird just once you're done talking say so yeah the next question is no i did you should like yeah yeah and but this is just another perfect example of like two people having an honest conversation about something especially in your 30s because if we're having this conversation in our early 20s when we're just you know when i'm just starting therapy there's a whole different person going into my 30s now having a lot of the tools and having gone through romantic relationships and seriously thinking through having children and watching my friends have children and like i had a state in life where i'm like watching what my experience experiences could look like in different scenarios as I'm older versus when you're younger it's a very different conversation yeah when I was in college I actually went to uh they eh, the college I went to they offered like free therapy sessions and I was like you know what that'd be kind of cool to go to and not cool but more like my friend was telling me like he said that, that was an option I was like yeah that sounds that sounds great and once I felt like I was actually dealing with my own issues and feelings I stopped going <laughs> Because <laughs> I was like, whoa, what the fuck uh, is this? That's the worst. Whoa, what the fuck is this? No. That's it's the not... cough medicine analogy. That's it a is. classic, like, oh, I took the cough medicine. My cough went away, so I stopped taking it. No, we not even, honestly. It was just more like the, what is this what talking about your emotions? It's like, no, I'm not ready for this. I'm sorry, I can't. So it's, yeah, I... And it was like different for me because like obviously at that time I I don't think I was ready to have that conversation but I don't know it was interesting because I think I went I started going to therapy right around the time that I turned thirty and it was like around the time where it's like mm-hmm. I have to make some fucking changes here and <laughs> <laughs> so it was like around like the weird perfect timing it's like cool so I'm starting therapy at thirty and what's gonna happen and I don't know honestly and it's really interesting because like thinking about that now I felt like thirty was such a breeze in a way like there was still like there were like their share of ups and downs with I don't know why but I and I made this analogy with my therapist where I felt like therapy was sort of like getting the flu shot because you still get sick and it's like wait I feel like I'm getting more depressed the more I talk about this shit the fuck is this I'm supposed to feel better not worse but uh (laughs) but no in a way it's sort of like obviously I still go so that's a good aspect but yeah in a way like yeah even though I had my ups and downs in my 30s I felt a lot better about how I was able to deal with things because I went to therapy so mm-hmm. it was like huh yeah it's only 23 or 22 or 21 year old me knew this at the time but that's a different story for another day because at that time you're in your early 20s you don't want to deal with everything right away right and that's and and not to be heavy but like that's a lot of anger that I had with my dad which was I was 22 going on 23 when I went to therapy and I never missed an appointment and I went and saw a psychiatrist and I talked to her every three months and never missed an appointment about what my medications look like and I decided like at a very young age I have a problem I can't handle it myself. I'm going to go get professional help. 
And granted, I lucked out by loving my first psychologist and loving my first psychiatrist, but like I stuck with it every day. And now I'm at the most stable, happiest place I've ever been. And it's a lot like weight loss where it happens in little tiny increments over time. And then you look at yourself however many years ago and go like, oh my God, I didn't know I looked like that. Like I look at behavior of myself however many years ago, and I'm like, oh, I, I can't believe I acted like that. And um, so it's just – it's something that's such an investment. I <laughs> I feel like I'm becoming like doctor pro therapy here, but I feel like it's just like such a great thing for us in our 30s, you know, having gone through the, the trauma that is your 20s. <laughs> Um, it's okay you're like I think you're like episode eight and I feel like almost every episode so far this season I've spoken about we've spoken about therapy so it's okay (laughs) this this is a therapy season it's okay it's a therapy season oh we all kind of need it right like everyone kind of needs it right we're in our homes we're just like what are we supposed to be thinking and feeling but yeah but but also it's become really good in my relationships because you know now my therapist has seen the last eight years of my relationship relationships she's seen me in some really stupid ones and some really lust-filled ones and some really ones that were just around my own narcissism um and so it's nice when you're in a stable relationship to have someone I think I saw a meme like this even the other day that was like you know that moment finally when your therapist gives their blessing to your relationship and says they're on the person's team (laughs) like it's like when my therapist was like, I'm rooting for your boyfriend. Like I'm rooting for Briggs. I think <laughs> yes. he's the best one yet. And I, and because you do a part of being depressed and anxious when you're in therapy is you start second guessing yourself because you're like acknowledging these feelings and then going, but what about this? And, but what about that? So then when you're in a relationship, it kind of gets like, you know, he and I had a fight. This must be toxic. Right. And it's like, no, that's what a normal fight is between you know two partners is that like you felt slighted in this way he felt slighted in this way and like how are we going to find the resolution to it and so when he like when Briggs and I moved in it was a lot of like and that Briggs and I moved in when I moved into Briggs's place (laughs) there was a lot of (laughs) you know like I you know conversations about my stuff and his stuff and where you know where's my space and his space and all of that and um, and when I went to my therapist, I was like, I don't know, like, is, is it working? Like, there's just so much, we feel like we're fighting all the time. And she's like, no, what it sounds like is normal growing pains from two people who just moved in together. <laughs> like, um, which was great because that was the first like normal milestone in my life that had been sanctioned by my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always interesting, right? Because you would assume that growing pain is a bad thing because it's a pain that you focus on and not the growing. Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah. And I feel like that makes sense because I feel like even if you have, honestly, it's really interesting, right? Because like even having these deeper, more difficult conversations to have with someone, you would think like, oh, shit, this bad things for actually having this conversation but like no long term it's these are the conversations you should be having but mm-hmm. at first it sounds crazy because it's like oh shit like yeah this it's gonna be tough obviously but it's like it's like the long-term effects that you would hope that it's like the brings you together instead of breaks you apart as far as like 
mental health between two people. Yes. Yeah, it's um I guess my int- my relationship is interesting because he I come of, from a family that is very compassionate, very empathic. Um and so, you know, I am a the bleeding heart give what I can to anyone who's in need because I'm very aware how privileged and fortunate I am. And he comes from a family that, you know, it's like you, we all worked very hard to where we get to. And both of those things are not wrong. So it's just a different like, approach. It's a different if it's it's a different approach to things. And so yeah. for me to explain that, like he's very understanding. I kind of had to teach him when I'm crying, you know, I, I'm crying because that's how my panic effect, attacks manifest. Mm-hmm. Like, and it took me a very long time to learn that, that I, I'm not someone who just cries to be a drama queen. Crying and hyperventilating is my manifestation of a panic attack. And once I relayed that to him, then he knew, you know, whenever she's crying and, and, you know, feeling a little out of control, it's because she has anxiety and not because she's angry at me or because she's trying to make me feel bad or anything like that so it it took that communication with my partner to tell him this is when this happens this is what I feel like and this is probably what needs to you know be done to make me feel better um but that takes a lot a lot of years in therapy to recognize in yourself as well yeah it's really interesting that you brought that up because honestly I feel like that's the biggest concern when it comes to stigma not as much as like depression but more like as the quote-unquote male aspect where it's sort of like you know Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be the one that's supposed to help someone else as much but what is it like when you're the one who kind of needs to cry or be the emotional aspect Mm -hmm. and obviously with like toxic masculinity and etc where it's like oh shit like how do I deal with this when I clearly know I can't handle any of my emotions right now and be like cool I understand you want to help and I'm saying like I it's not like warranted but I I guess like and and that's where it gets difficult because like honestly being the as as the podcast name is is that I've learned <laughs> to like deal with things on my own and sort of cool mm-hmm. when it, when I'm ready to like bring someone else into into this you know vein it's like great I'd like you to understand this better but how do I do it without it being like being concerned it's like oh I need you to fix me or yeah like, no that's not the case it's just more hey this is what I go through I've mm-hmm. I, I've used I, I've figured out my methods you know I go to therapy and mm-hmm. but yeah I I didn't I don't know where I'm like going with this, but like, I guess it's like different because like, I only know, uh, let me see, like, I would say like a handful of men who've been like honest about their depression (laughs) and a handful of men who have been honest, Yes, but you know, there's so many more than that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But like, yes, especially I'm sure. Yeah. But like, at, at least when it comes to like with me and not a lot of people have like said it like upfront, but yeah, it's really difficult like I and and I guess like I've never really asked them specifically like how they've approached it with their partners because it's sort of like honestly then that's the point where I'm I I don't want to say like I kind of hope I'm not the ideal person that they go to to talk to about this when they have a partner but sure it's obviously and and even with like societal norms it's like 
oh shit, you know, I go to, I, I, I deal with this, but I'm supposed to be the one who's the more quote unquote, I don't want to say stable because that's not the like masculine. Right yes. Like, yeah, yeah I have yeah. to have my shit together, but I, think I really just don't. Bullshit. Yeah. It's all just bullshit. It's all just me as a person, as person one telling person two, hey, here's how I kind of work in the world. And sometimes here's how I'll act when certain triggers are set off. And here's what would be best for you to do to help me calm down or, or come back to earth. Um, and that's and that's why I go back, that's why I was talking so much about my time with my, you know, talking to colleagues, right? And and all that because that conversation that I talked to my colleagues about about here's what's may, here's what may happen with me and here's how you should deal with it and here's how I want you to deal with it applies to every sector in life it applies to friends it applies to lovers and partners and family etc and so it it's not even a gendered thing it is a i am a human being i am wired to react in certain situations in this way and the best thing for me would be if you would react in xyz and it could be in spending extra attention on me and it could be going away from me and letting me deal with this myself and but you have to figure out what that solution is with a professional <laughs> who can designate what a healthy solution is because if you are going to be like I get really moody sometimes I need everyone to get the fuck away from me until I feel better <laughs> like that's not healthy for anyone and that's not going to save any of your relationships but if the solution is stop saying it's going to be fine don't worry about it and start asking me are you okay? Do you want to take a walk? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to sit here and not talk about it? Like what, and, and telling the people around you that those are the options you have, it makes life so much easier. Preach. <laughs> I should have my own podcast. That's just me like verbal, <laughs> verbal vomit preaching about what I've learned in therapy. No, th that those are all great. Cause I feel like that's pretty much most of the questions I feel like most people had when it came to like, hey, what would I hope that someone would approach like asking like, I, and, and, and I think that's the issue that when it comes to like mental health, I think it's easy for people to go to like a worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, even at the end of the day, it's like, look, I'm not asking you to fix me because that's not your job. But it's more like, mm -hmm. hey, cool, like, I'm going through this and this is what helps. And if, you know, like, uh, you know, like, for example, when you mentioned where Briggs was like, hey, you know, I'm going to go away for a bit. It's sort of like, yeah, that's a fair point, too. But I don't worry, I got this. But mm -hmm. it's like, I, I think in my scenario, I wouldn't really want someone to fully... Uh, save me as much as more like right. cool well like hey like what is this like you know what are the <laughs> what are the I, I i don't even like where to begin when it comes to triggers because i can go like any specific route but it's more like the this is what it's like and cool like i don't mind talking about this but like if i prefer to have my space also if you want to like be here that's great but just know this is what it's going to be like yep and it's different for every person because if you want right. to be alone when you know you're in that space and you want to be alone that's just something you have to communicate like if i go sleep for six hours because i'm emotionally mentally exhausted just let me sleep and i'll come back to you and then we can go do our stuff if it's i want to be with somebody on the couch but i may not want to be you know talkative 
then let's hang out and watch a movie and then maybe when it's after I'll be ready to talk about it and it just but the thing is is that it takes therapy to realize those if x then y scenarios for you to talk about yeah I think there's like no perfect solution it's obviously everyone has their own preferences on how they deal with it like obviously you mentioned your friend like yes and I don't want to push I don't want to push like that everybody should be like I obviously am very talkative about it I like to talk through my feelings and my situation some people don't and that's hard for them and and maybe they have to find their own ways yeah like you said like exercising or what it is to cope with it I hope that people do go to therapy just to talk with an objective observer who has a completely third party you know independent (laughs) line of thinking about it Um, but there are ways for you to be able to find how to articulate where you're feeling that will help you a lot in the dating world and help you a lot in your already ongoing relationship or soon to be ongoing relationship Mm. oh this is a really interesting question a friend of mine brought up where sort of they ask uh, what do you expect from your partner when you have episodes where it's like I did not really expect that question to pop up that's (laughs) really good because I I was thinking about that I was like I don't know what I would expect but it's sort of like I guess understanding and that's all I have for now (laughs) what I expect is well at this point I've already told my partner right what I can be like in certain moods and so what I expect is a I have to be open with my partner about what I'm experiencing so even the other day I was you know I was worried about my dad and his health and um and what coronavirus could mean to his health and if he gets sick and what that means for me you know even seeing him as as the last case scenario mm-hmm. because that's me as an anxious person that's what I go to is what if my dad gets sick and dies and I don't see him again and my response to my partner was that like I'm probably going to cry a lot and I'm probably going to be really sad and really worried and what I need you to do is just kind of like hold me and tell me that it's going to be okay no no matter what happens and that's that's the thing in relationships is as long as I've told you, here's what it looks like when I'm in my depressive phases or my manic phases or my anxious phases, here's what my panic attacks look like and here's what helps me, then your partner is armed with the playbook of what that looks mm-hmm. like. You know, when I'm crying and hyperventilating, I'm not being a drama queen. It's time for you to get me into a corner and hug me. And just let me breathe through it and then let me talk about what's going on, right? So, like, every person's different. It's just you have to realize what are the triggers in you first. Because I grew up for so many years thinking that I was just a drama queen who liked to cry all the time until my therapist was like, that's how your panic attacks manifest. Someone needs to deal with it. (laughs) And you need to work through the crying so that you can start articulating your emotions so that people know how to help and sometimes it's just really hugging me or sometimes it's just sitting next to me or sometimes it's just leaving me the fuck alone but until you learn how to articulate what you need then it's going to be 
it's going to be hard. But when you do learn how to tell your partner or your friend or your family how to help you in those situations, it is going to make your life so much easier and so much richer. I, I, I promise you. And it was interesting that you like, brought that up because like one of the things that like, is my biggest issue is I hate hearing like cliche advice. I, I, I don't know why, but I think it's just more like, I think it's easier for me at the time to be like, yeah, this is great to know. But it's also like, you know, I'm glad you brought this up, but it's sort of like, are you just copying out telling me everything's going to be okay? Even though like with me, it's like I, in my worst case scenario, I'm highly pessimistic and it's like more than usual. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, cool. Like what's the worst case scenario out of anything? And when someone's like, yeah, you know, no, we, I get it. But like, you know, it, there's no point of thinking of the negative. It's like, no, no, don't tell me what not to think because this is what it's like and and i think it's, it's like real, easier yeah. if you just have like that real conversation and be like hey this is what it's like and it's not like a as much as a i don't know what i'm trying to say like this is what it's like but it's also like i do appreciate the feedback that i'm getting but at the same time it's sort of like at the moment i'm not gonna be thinking about that mm-hmm. if that makes any sense yep um can i think if i anything else um do i no um let's see i'm definitely gonna cut off all of these pauses now as i try to go through (laughs) yeah okay okay that's why I was like, I don't know. That's why I was texting you. Like, no, do we, we don't. Naturally no, need to wrap I'm... this up? Like, what's going on? I do, um, in like an hour or so, I need to wrap up by the latest. Cause I, I gonna don't want to still be talking in to be a two-hour episode, which I'm not. I didn't I didn't know. I mean, no, you can it's, edit it's cool. a lot of it down. <laughs> One of the things I was like thinking about is that, especially when it comes to Obviously, like this is more like the first stages when it comes to dating. Is that I think, uh, and I remember one time I was actually in the midst of dating someone for a bit, and then having depression and thinking, "Holy shit, I don't really know if I should be dating at this point." Where it's sort of like I I don't know it forced me to like function at all. Where it's sort of like if. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to have this conversation with someone. And and even though I think my biggest concern was if someone else also had depression, we're sort of like, oh shit, like we have the mm-hmm. same issues. Is this a good or a bad thing? Especially if they mm-hmm. want. I, I, and, and, and I know we've mentioned this before on, on, on the podcast where it's like, we were like obviously 100 or 200% anti-kids where like if you also have similar like mental illness, then how do you you like oh shit like we have similar issues but then you also want kids it's like no <laughs> which happened i was like yeah. oh like yeah you know i I want kids eventually it's like i'm glad i brought this up soon like i i i don't have no issues saying i don't want kids when i also realize that i have like my own mental things i want to work on and it's like i, I don't want to bring that along to mm-hmm. anyone else and it's fair if people want to have kids even yeah, if they sure. do have those conditions like it really just depends on everybody to everybody i just know that it's an everyday thing for me to manage my condition and it would be a lot more upon me to manage my condition while i had another kid and then to have that kid go into adolescence and discover that he has similar conditions and have that be compounded within our family like that's a lot and and I I think that people who like I guess I should just speak for myself and not for anyone else but let me know if you agree because in Chicago I don't have a lot of friends who are like team no kids versus I feel like maybe you know more if you are 
on that road. Let's see, I no. Hmm, I'm trying no? to think now. I I just feel like I don't have a big following, whereas I feel like you maybe have a couple of other no. We like, we yeah, we've okay. talked about like my one friend um, who was like in and out of not having kids, and she's not even in New York. But I don't think, huh? I don't know. I guess where I was going with this is that I think that it's very natural to assume that a young woman and young man want kids because that's what generations before us have done. And that is the natural step in a romantic relationship of meeting and, you know, getting engaged and married and buying the house and having kids and blah, blah, blah. And... I think that a lot of the people who have bought into that, and I guess I shouldn't even say bought into that because that's a very valid way to want to expect your life to be, um, is that you want to get married and have kids. Like those are great things to want to do in your life. But I know a lot of people who don't suffer with mental illness, who have kids and their kids are the joy of the life of their lives as they should be, who don't seem to be able to comprehend the reasons that someone would want to be childless. And so like, and that's where it gets difficult because I understand all the reasons that you would want to have a kid, right? To have a mini version of yourself, (laughs) A, right? (laughs) Like a little you walking around that's doing cute things. Um, B, you know, framing how this little person sees the world and teaching it words and colors and numbers and and watching it grow and experience and discover things that are in our world is, has got to be amazing. Even I enjoy watching babies discovery th- discover things. Like, that's really cool just from the aspect of, like, trying to understand how a two-year-old all of a sudden is able to grasp the concept of a spoon <laughs> into their mouth. Like, <laughs> like, like that's great. Um, neurologically speaking, but what those parents don't understand is that there are so many mental conditions that are so strong that you cannot imagine keeping up your own mental health while also maintaining and protecting the mental health of your child. And I personally feel like the journey to having a child, whether it be naturally or Um, adopted or surrogate or however is already in itself going to be so emotionally and mentally taxing on me Um, and that's only the first however many months (laughs) and then to go through that for life is just at so much of a cost to me not even financially but we could also talk financially (laughs) right about how much money it just takes to have a kid and raise a kid and find childcare for the kid and clothe the kid and feed the kid and do sports for the kids and, and whatever um, for a gen- college tuition for a generation that is now experiencing the second recession and dare we say it, the first depression of our generation, because now this generation has lived through the 2008 recession and what is bound to be another depression, you know, going through all that, like, I'm barely going to have money in my retirement fund to support myself with everything that's going on. And I don't want to give a bare minimum to a kid if I can. And I just would rather selfishly focus on myself and say that there's a lot of shitty things in the world. And if I can find a partner who's okay 
having it just be us too and maybe a dog god hopefully a fucking dog um, I, I feel like that was a prerequisite <laughs> based off of episode one it's like dogs are in the picture okay okay we're okay, working okay. on it his his preferred brand though is um brand. his preferred breed is a um, yeah, yeah 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 brand breed braid um his preferred type of dog would be a yellow lab or a husky and when we're on the north side of chicago that's not like the natural dog to this environment so we're yeah so both of us very much have a want for a dog it's what that will look like um but also what what should be known is that i am in a relationship where my partner has not had very serious relationships before. So like he's not even really had the conversation with himself about how much kids mean to him and that kind of whole future. So I'm kind of, I had to be the one that came open to the plate with here's my mental, emotional situation. Um, Here's how I think about kids and here's how I think about marriage. And he was like, I have no idea how I feel about any of that because I didn't even think I'd have this series of a relationship. And so we're both kind of figuring that out day by day. First off, I'm um, glad you had your baseball reference so yeah. in there for the episode. So there's no baseball. Shit. Gotta get one in. Gotta get one in. <laughs> and I feel like one of the biggest issues, especially when you're dealing with mental health, either if it's like bipolar or depression, is making sure that your past doesn't like cloud your future in a way because i think it's easy to look back at all of the negatives that your mental health has brought but like kind of still being sort of optimistic because i'm not gonna lie i'm not the most optimistic person Mm -hmm. regardless and i think it just comes with the depression and (laughs) like yeah it's kind of hard to think yeah yeah exactly where where is the positives please tell me because i don't see them here but and i do the same thing even at work where it's like sometimes like clients are like bring things in it's like hey like you know like don't be negative it's like what where to begin of like where like now there's there's always going to be a negative somewhere it's just like more of the how do we deal with it when it gets here yeah i i don't really know there was like more of a purpose there but i think that's just definitely a thought process i've had especially and i think that comes more Mm -hmm. from work and i don't think that would and and I don't know if that would come through relationships, but I think it's easy if, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if this is like something you've thought of, but like I, my biggest concern when it comes to my depression is the concern of not being quote unquote good enough. Cause like, yeah, they could mm-hmm. easily just find someone who doesn't have all of these issues and will they be quote unquote happier? Cause they didn't have to deal with all of the mental, you know, I don't want to say mental issues per se, but in a way, it is where it's like yeah the weight it's exactly. the weight where it's like, of it okay yeah. cool you know you know maybe they'll be better off not dealing with my shit <laughs> that's true and i've i've felt that in past relationships i think i got a good leg up watching my dad mm-hmm. and my mother right someone my dad having dealt with mental illness and my mom never like, there was a time that my my dad when he was finally sticking with treatment and sticking with medications woke up and and looked at my mom and said i feel happy Like, I feel content. Like, I just feel okay. And she was like, yeah. And he was like, is that what you wake up to every day? And she was like, yeah. And it was a, it was a realization for both of them. It was a realization for him that like, this is what it means to not be depressed every day. And it was a realization to her that there are people who don't wake up every day and feel okay. And so it's hard then in relationships 
and, and, you know, steer me back in the direction that I need to go when I go off on this. But like when you're talking about feeling guilty for having a condition when you're in a relationship um, and and possibly burdening that person, oh, is that burden, kind of what you're talking sure, about? Where it's like, you know, sorry, I brought right, this upon, you know, sorry, I brought them. this upon you. And mm-hmm. how are you going to deal with this? I mean, there was there was a lot of conversations I had with my dad in my early 20s where I thought and I, and I say I had with my dad because he obviously shared a lot of the same mental struggles that I did and I said you know I, I don't think that there's someone out there because neither my dad nor I believe in the concept of the mm. one right that there's one in eight billion people on this planet that will just happen to find you through fate that's meant to be for you like I don't believe in that so I didn't think that I was going to be able to find a person who could put up with the trifecta that is a vision impairment you know like my boyfriend needs whenever there's like a screen um, grab of like a text message during a show right like when characters are texting each other or whatever, or there's subtitles, like my boyfriend needs to know to read those to me because I can't see them because I'm visually impaired. So there's that. And then there's the struggles of my mental illness that he needs to deal with, if not accommodate for. And then there's just my loud <laughs> fucking mouth. <laughs> and, um, and I just... I told my dad I wasn't sure if there's anyone in the world who could deal with that trifecta. And then I found Briggs, and and Briggs not only reads subtitles to me, but reads them to me in Spanish (laughs) accents. I love it. And and when I tell Briggs I'm I'm having a panic attack and I'm crying and I need you to hold me, he'll just hold on to me as tight as he can. And when it comes to my loud mouth, he'll just you know give me his shittiest opinion back to me so (laughs) so we've learned to deal with that in different ways and and so I I identify with the idea of feeling like your mental struggles as I like to call them because they're not as much of a mental illness they're just things that you struggle with more than normal people and not even normal people but most people right like we're not abnormal there's so many of us out there that deal with these kinds of things that we probably are the majority but but there are people that don't live it and don't understand it but try not to feel a burden by letting them understand it because you are exposing them to just kind of more of the world and how to be more apathetic to other people and to look at it that way as opposed to being a burden and and that person can choose to help you when you are in times that you need help or or not and and maybe that's a good litmus test for whether or not you want that person in your life in a meaningful way no yeah i completely align with all i don't want to say align but yeah I no, I agree with all of that because it's a media buzzword. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I've minimized myself to a very few media buzzwords on this podcast. I I did that on a previous episode. I was like, shit, I use media terms, but it works. But damn it, yeah, no, I no, I I agree with all of that. I think it's easy to you know, like sort of like going into like the not not like going back to like the stigma, but it's easy to then sort of like feel that it's easy to be sensitive towards rejection because if you and 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 I'm and I'm pretty sure most people feel this way or at first when you're telling someone about like depression it's easy to feel like rejection is going to come afterwards because you probably experience that as mm-hmm. you know uh, 
teenager or even in your early 20s. That was yeah. the knee-jerk reaction yeah, from like, oh, kids what the fuck is that? Up, no, yeah. ew, I want to deal with that. And you know how many of those kids are in fucking therapy today, man? So 80%. Many. No, I'm joking. That's not it. <laughs> so fucking many. So yeah, it's sort of like the, like, I don't know. It's you... you and I think you mentioned that perfectly earlier, where the more you speak about it, it's easier to, I don't want to say not worry, because that's not the right term. But the more you're able to like speak it out there, it's easier to sort of not worry what the result is going to be. Well, you, you control your own yeah. result eventually, right? You're controlling your own story Um, that's what therapy does for you is you is you're able to go and tell your own story and not have it be told by other people because because then when you go out and talk about what your experience is being bipolar being oppressive or being anxious it's your story and no one can take it away from you and if someone tries to paint another picture you can say no it's not what it is and each of us has our own picture of what it is but no one can tell your story and no one can tell your story to a new partner and and that can be hard and I I, I bet it's hard in New York I'm sure it's hard in, hard in Chicago I haven't been in the dating world in Chicago for a very long time even before my boyfriend like it's not like I just found a boyfriend was like fuck Chicago dating world I don't care like fend for yourselves bitches <laughs> Um, you know, I had not dated for a very long time before I met my boyfriend. I just happened to meet him in a, in a work environment. So it just was happenstance, but I very actively did not date because I didn't want to have to deal with the bullshit of explaining myself to someone else. And, um, and even when I did find someone I liked, it it still felt like bullshit having to explain myself to him. But I lucked out that he was, even if he was not someone, like I said before, who has the vocabulary to expound upon his emotions um, who does have emotions and he is able to show me through his acts of service and and all his love languages that he cares about me and and that's what made it work so it's a hard world to go out and navigate and and if you have to be alone for a while just fucking be alone and that's not to you personally tony that's just like <laughs> friends i know who are in their late late 20s early 30s we're like oh no i'm alone and it's like you know it's it's not that bad i've been single for 10 years it's okay it's not that bad and i know and i and i know that you're on instagram and you're seeing these friends who have kids and who have partners and you're doing these like instagramable opportunities but like so fucking what man like do whatever makes you happy learn what it is that makes you happy and go maybe talk to a professional about why you're unhappy and how do you become happy again and just like figure it out for yourself and then find someone who will love you for that and have sex with them (laughs) (laughs) and then that goes back to our cuffing season no i'm joking now uh i I think that makes sense right because like the thing with me is that honestly what makes it easier is that in my opinion it's great that women are the more emotionally available gender and yes so like yeah when it (laughs) what what i'm just Speaking of facts, yeah, yes. Like, well, like, like, this. It's like, why are you bringing up things that we know? It's like, no, but like, yeah. And I think I think it's just I'm speaking more towards like myself, where 
it's easier for me to say like, cool, it won't be as difficult to talk about this the other way around. But I think it's always easier for someone to then feel like, oh, am I supposed to be more protective one or et cetera. Even though like I know in my previous experiences, it's like, I know I'm not going to be the most mentally there person, especially when I deal with my depression. So that's why I felt that not saying that I want to speak about it early on, but obviously first aid a little bit out there eventually early on it's sort of like yeah i should have this conversation mm-hmm. because one it's like yes yeah you should probably know not like the shit story but more of the like yeah if if and, and i think it's easier for me to say this now as the 31 year old than i would have ever said as a 21 year old because obviously a 21 year old me wouldn't have had a podcast anyways mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but right. yeah it's easier to say like yeah you know like these are the things that I go through and etc and it's easier to say like I, I've had the experience of therapy to say like hey I've finally been able to put into like words what my depression is like did it take long enough like who gives a shit like you know, again, we, we've made the progress you know so I, I've been able to like verbalize mm-hmm. or like even put into like bullet points like this is what depression is to me and not saying like you have to fix all of this but more like this is what it's going to be like and I don't know welcome <laughs> but like hey if you want to go on this journey let's I don't yeah yeah I mean I think there's a way to do it that's between an ultimatum and oh, an explanation I, I, yeah. right like there's a way to be like and I know what you're getting at which is like you know these are the things that I think I need from a partner for me to be healthy and for them to yeah. be able to not resent me <laughs> And it's a delicate balance. I think you just, you need to have that conversation at a point where you don't feel like you're going to be offending that person by standing up for yourself. And it's hard in the first couple of dates because there's so much pride in the first few dates of coming off as a good person and an attractive person and a talkative person and a smart person. And I think you, it's just easy to want to wait until you've made those points known. I think I had an aunt who told me once, like, you don't want to tell them right away because they may not know what that means. But if you tell them after showing yourself to them, then they already know what it means. What it means is here I am as a person and here's this other piece of me as opposed to making it all of you, right? Like, I am smart, and I am funny, and I am outgoing, and I also enjoy binging TV on my couch and whatever, and I'm bipolar, so what that means is, like, sometimes I may be really very talkative or overactive or whatever that may be, and here's how, you know, I I go about dealing with that, and, and is that something that you seem okay with? I feel like there's, like, this difference where you feel comfortable enough in your own skin where the honesty doesn't come mm-hmm. across as like overbearing or like oh shit what is this is more like no no I'm mm-hmm. just putting like my chips on the table this is what it is like at this point I don't really like I don't want to say like you don't really care but it's like at this point it's like hey this is what it is if you don't want to deal with it it's not like a big deal but it's easier to put it out there and just be your no. It's not a take it or leave it. It's a, I want to be honest with you about here's some yeah. stuff that's going to come up and I'm going to give you the opportunity 
to tell me whether or not that's too much or whether you think you can handle it. And if it's too much, then this is a good time for us to part ways before it gets too serious. And if it's something that you think you can handle, then, you know, let's keep pursuing right. this. No, yeah. I don't have, like, the great transition of, of ending. And I, I don't you have an outro. outro. I didn't even have an intro. So. It's fine. Everything's, you know, it's days of coronavirus. No one knows what's happening. Up is down. Down is up. Introverts are loving life. Extroverts are hate in life like it's, it's it, all it was weird. interesting i was doing like this uh <laughs> i've done like the myers Briggs test and i love where like i was looking at mine and i always say like yeah i'm an ambivert it's like what the fuck is that it's like i'm both i don't i i relate to both extroverts and introverts because of one my constant need to want to do things but then also my depression and wanting to be mm-hmm. by myself so cool i i, I got the best of both worlds i guess I love being around people, but it is exhausting yeah. being around people. <laughs> so yeah. after this podcast, I'm probably going to curl yeah. up and wait for Briggs it's to come back right? to Chicago. Is it? It is. Yeah, it, it's eight, yeah, it's 8.30. He left from Wisconsin okay. a few hours ago. All right, cool. So. Well, I would say thank you for being the first third-time guest. To yeah. date. <laughs> to date, yes. <laughs> You will have more. I am the only one to yes, date. Yes, and then and then like the next time it'll yeah. be like you'll be the first one to be the four P. What? Just putting that out there. What? And then I'm gonna have to have like a special like championship <laughs> we sound should effect definitely at the beginning of the pod. What? No. <laughs> that's it, yeah. That, that's gonna be it for the next time or this episode. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Your editing skills have gone above and beyond in these years, so oh, I have no faith in you. I have, because... <laughs> I have so much faith Honestly, in it's you. so weird. <laughs> I have no faith that you will kill it. You know, the worst part is because, like, I remember when I first started, it's like, I'm doing no editing. And I was like, shit, I need to edit the shit out of this. But it's, you know, I, I, I've made it work. I will. You're going to have fun with yes. it. All right. Aww. Love you. Thank you of for course, having me welcome. on. I love it every time that we do this. Yeah, it's so much fun. I, I will hope I the next time you. it will be in person because it will be so much more fun. I mean, I'm not saying like it's not fun now, but. Yes. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> a lot more fun in person. And hopefully that means that the Chicago Cubs are playing or something and that you're in town and that we can meet up and do this and, and cheers our wives yes, together. Sure. <laughs> Just keep up. It's more content coming from 10 Years Accounting. Support. Tony, donate. I know there's like a donate link somewhere in there. We're gonna just like a little imagine a flashing bubble. It's a link in his thing. Have a good day. I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna use this for the ending of my podcast.